Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. This is the reading of God's word. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed like to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what hap- had happened. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. It's so great to be here with our entire church family. Uh, This is very rare for us. Um, Again, can we give one more big round of applause for our youth, um, Teresa, Isaiah, and all of our staff and volunteers who work so hard uh, to make today happen um, from, from the parking Uh, to the food, to the beautiful photo booth. Um, These are all um, done by the hands of our volunteers who serve so faithfully week to week. And a lot of times, so much of what they do goes unnoticed. So if you see any of our volunteers or staff walking around after service, please uh, let them know how grateful you are. Um, We could not um, do what we do each week um, without them. And so, uh, again, um, so great to have everyone here. You know, I feel like Easter is the one time when, like, God raises from the dead all the people who haven't uh, come out to church in a while, too. So the resurrection is real. Um, No no guilt, no guilt, no guilt. Um, It goes without saying that today marks the most important day in the history of the world. And that is not an overstatement. It's a day that redefined reality. It's a day when everything changed. You ever have a moment in your life when everything changed? When your world was turned upside down so much that you couldn't even remember what life was like before that moment? Uh, July 24th, 2015, I became a dad. That's when my oldest was born. And that's a day when everything changed. And it was such a life-altering, reality-altering moment for me to become a father. And honestly, I tell my wife all the time, I don't even remember what life was like before that moment. You know, I don't remember what it was like to have free time. You know, I don't remember what it was like to wake up on Saturday morning and be like, there is nothing to do. Okay, it's all a blur. And I still remember the day I held my daughter in my arms for the first time in that hospital room. I knew that life was never going to be the same. The world was different. If Jesus' death was the end of the story, 
then everyone would have gone on with their lives and we, have, we would have never heard about him again. He would have simply joined a long list of many men and women who came and died. We would most likely not even know his name because Christianity would have not grown beyond a few small, uh, few scared, confused people huddled together in a locked room, mourning the loss of the one they thought was the Messiah. You certainly would not have an entire room full of people in Los Angeles in 2023 and people in every corner of the globe 2,000 years after the fact worshiping and celebrating a crucified man. And yet because Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, now every other event in history is dated according to him. You ever wonder about that? B.C. and A.D. Basically, we now only have two ways in which we categorize time, before Jesus and after Jesus. And it's all because Jesus came back to life. Everything hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus did not rise, then everything we believe is meaningless. There is no savior, no salvation, no forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile. This sermon is futile. This gathering today is futile. All of us doing this stuff is futile. And we Christians are of all people most to be pitied. We're the most pathetic if this thing didn't happen. Now imagine there's probably some of you here today who are still skeptical, and that's okay. I get it. Now maybe you're thinking, like, does anybody actually buy this? That at some point in history, a man just got up from the dead. Even those who've grown up in the church, who've been to countless Easter's, I think all of us should ask ourselves whether or not even we believe the resurrection happened. And the first thing I want to say is that it's totally normal to be skeptical. In fact, Jesus' closest disciples were skeptical. We heard it in our passage read today that when the women came back from the empty tomb, they told the 11 disciples what they had seen, but it says right here in verse 11 that the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Jesus predicted this exact scenario would happen multiple times throughout his life and ministry, that he would be crucified and then raised from the dead three days later, and yet still, the very people who were closest to him could not wrap their heads around how something like this could have happened. You see, contrary to popular belief, no one in the ancient world believed a body could be raised from the dead. Even the women who went to the tomb early that morning did not go there because they expected to see a resurrected Jesus. They went there, we read, with spices for burial. Spices to cover up the scent of a decaying body. They went there shocked, disillusioned, fearful. They went there assuming that everything they believed was a lie, that it was a sham. They went there with one expectation, to face one last time, death. To face the death of their hopes and dreams. Now, I don't know why uh, you came to church today. I don't know what you expected when you came out to church today. For those of you visiting for the first time, I don't know what your friends had to bribe you with to get you out to church today. 
Maybe you were willing to come because like the women who took spices to the tomb that first Easter morning, you wanted even for just a few hours to mask the stench of death that is so pervasive in our lives and in the world, this stench that is everywhere. We smell it every time we turn on the news and we read something about another horrific tragedy that has occurred. We smell it every time we lose a loved one far too soon, every time we watch another marriage or relationship deteriorate right in front of our eyes, every time we find ourselves at the end of our ropes, exhausted, burnt out, disillusioned, hopeless, purposeless. It goes without saying that the, the odor of death is everywhere. Its stench is everywhere. It defines our reality. It shapes so much of what we believe about ourselves and the world. And let's be honest, at times, it's too much to bear. These past few years, we've been confronted with a lot of death. This year, we've been confronted with a lot of death. I think a lot of us, our mindset is if you can't beat it, the best you can do is just try to mask it, even for a couple of hours. But regardless of what you came here today expecting to find, I present before you an empty tomb. And I'm going to ask you this morning whether this is your first Easter service or your 20th, to at least ponder, like the women in the story, what the empty tomb could mean for you today. Because you have two choices. You can, like most of the disciples that day, just say, this is nonsense, walk away, tune out. Or you can be like Peter, who Luke says, ran to the tomb to at least investigate what could have happened. Because if indeed Jesus is risen, then everything changes. And I want to spend the short time we have together sharing what the resurrection, if true, could mean for you and me living in Los Angeles in 2023. First and foremost, resurrection means death is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. It means that when we say our loved ones have, who've passed are in a better place, that's not just a cliche. That's not just mere sentimentality. That is reality. And that doesn't make death any less painful to swallow, but it allows us to grieve with hope, knowing that death does not have the final say over our lives. You see, Jesus' resurrection is a preview of where all of us are headed. It's a glimpse of our destination. You know, if you've ever been on a long road trip, you know, I still remember when I moved cross-country from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. If you've ever been on a long road trip, you'll find yourself in these stretches where you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. There is no people around. There are no cars around, no Starbucks, no McDonald's. And you just feel like, if I were to die today... I'm just going to die today. Like, no one's going to know I'm going to die. But once in a while, on the road, you'll see a sign that says Los Angeles, 200 miles. Los Angeles, 100 miles. Los Angeles, 50 miles. And you breathe this huge sigh of relief because even for a moment, no matter what your surroundings look like, it reminds you where you're heading. It reminds you that home isn't that far away. Right now, when you turn on the news, it looks pretty bleak out there. Even the past few weeks, it's been a tough one. 
Jesus' resurrection is a glimpse of where history is heading, where our lives are heading, that God is making all things new, no matter how dark it feels. You know, a few years ago, um, I was watching a show on Netflix. I don't even remember what the show was called because I stopped it in the middle. And, um, you know, my family, we share a Netflix account. And the one annoying thing about sharing a Netflix account with your family members is that, you know, uh, you watch shows at different paces. And sometimes you're watching the same show, and my wife never waits for me to watch anything. So she's always on episode 10 when I'm on episode 3. Um, and we're watching this show together, and I don't realize she's gone all the way to the last episode. And I'm, I was just on episode three, and I go back to watch it, and I click resume watching. Um, and I don't realize that it's, it's the last episode, and it's on episode 10. And the only reason I realize it's the last episode, because all of a sudden I see the guy that I know died in episode two. And, and on one hand, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's alive, that's amazing. And on the other hand, I'm like, no, I can't watch this show anymore. This show is ruined. And I tried to go back to episode three to watch it, and I couldn't do it because I know what happens. In episode three, they had a funeral for the person who died. I was like, stop crying. He's alive. <laughs> you know, like, in episode four or five, the wife of the man starts, like, moving on, going on dates. I'm like, don't do that. He's alive. No matter how hard I tried, I could not watch it because the ending now colored everything I was watching in the middle. Well, my wife is a little bit different from me. Um, she's somebody that always needs to know how the show ends. And it's maddening because we're watching a show together and if I see her on her phone, I know she's Googling the ending. And I'm like, why do you do that? You know, like that ruins the entire show. And she's like, I get too anxious. And she's like, if I know how it ends, it helps me deal with everything in the middle. Now, I don't like that philosophy when it comes to watching TV shows, but I love that philosophy when it comes to life. If I know how it ends, it helps me deal with everything in the middle. And then all of life becomes an exercise of watching how God takes me from here to wherever it is I'm heading. The resurrection is a preview of God's beautiful ending. And when we know how the story ends, it changes the way we experience everything that happens in the middle. And not only does this preview tell us that death will ultimately not win, it also tells us that death is often the very portal through which we can experience resurrection power. You see, the cross and resurrection, they go hand in hand. You cannot experience the power of the resurrection unless you die. The women in the story would never have been able to experience the reality of the resurrection if they weren't courageous enough to go to the tomb in the first place, to stare death in the face. And I have always wondered why the Saturday in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday was called Holy Saturday. What's so holy about it? What's so holy about a day when heaven was utterly silent? When all you heard were the wailing cries of mothers, children, former disciples, 
people who lost their hope because their Messiah was dead. But you see, what the resurrection tells us is that the grief of Saturday was simply the seed from which new life would burst forth. I know that many of us sitting here today find ourselves in situations that feel bleak and hopeless. We don't know how we're going to get through this dark valley, and it feels like God is utterly silent. But could it be that God is simply getting ready to unleash the explosive power of the resurrection in your life? Death is not the end. That's the first point. Second point is that resurrection means new life is possible. It means new life is possible. It means that second chances, third chances, fourth chances are possible. It means that you don't have to be a prisoner to your past. You don't have to be defined by your failures and your mistakes. You can start over. You see, Christ's resurrection was the dawn of a new age. It was a declaration of a new beginning. You know, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we're in the book of Acts. And I said in week one of the series that Acts is part two of the Gospel of Luke. And I love that there's a part two. Because at the end of part one, which is the Gospel of Luke, you have an entire group of people who are hopeless, who are disillusioned, who believe their life is over. And yet what this entire series of the book of Acts is about is a story about these same people who pretty much felt they had nothing to live for after the crucifixion, all of a sudden who become the most fearless proclaimers of the gospel. Why? Because every single one of them said they saw the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes. And these people who once abandoned Jesus in his darkest moment ended up giving their lives for him. You see, when you encounter the risen Jesus, your life is never the same. And what you're going through is simply part one of a longer story God is writing in your life. Do you believe today that you can change? The resurrection says you can. It says you don't have to be stuck in the way others view you. It says you don't have to be stuck in the way you view yourself. I love that the disciple who runs to the tomb in the story is none other than Peter. Oh, Peter, he had so much potential. Jesus' best friend. He was the guy whose name Jesus changed from Simon to Peter, and he gave him a name that means the rock. He spent every waking moment with Jesus. He was Jesus' right-hand man. But in a moment of weakness, Peter commits the most epic failure. He denies knowing Jesus not once, but three times. And when he realizes what he's done, it says he wept bitterly. How do you come back from something like this? He watches Jesus be taken away, and he can't even tell Jesus he's sorry. It's too late. Or so he thinks. And so you can imagine what's going on in the mind of Peter when he hears from the women that the tomb is empty. You can imagine that his breathing starts getting faster, that, it, that his heart starts beating faster. The others are like, that's nonsense, but Peter just takes off and he starts running. 
when you are at your lowest, you will cling to any hope available to you. And if Jesus is indeed alive, then Peter knows there's still hope, even for a guy like him. And somehow this guy who thought his life was over becomes the same guy who ends up leading the first church just like Jesus said he would. Jesus is just getting started with Peter. Resurrection means your failure does not determine your future. New life is possible. It's possible. Which brings me to the final point, that resurrection means nothing can separate us from the love of God. If there's anything I want you to leave here with today, it's that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Look, I don't know exactly why you came here today. There may be a whole slew of reasons why you're sitting in these chairs today, but here's one thing I do know. I believe you are here because God loves you. Because he loves you. He loves you so much. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. I said this on Good Friday, but God did not die so that he could love you. God died because he loved you. He died because he loved you at your worst. You see, the cross reveals the truth about who we really are. That as the prophet Isaiah said, even our most righteous acts are like filthy rags before a holy God. That no matter how smart and capable and enlightened you and I think we are, we still cannot escape the fact that we are utterly broken. I want you to think about it. We literally live in a world of endless possibilities. Right? Like, I, I realized this week that I could have asked ChatGPT to write me this Easter sermon. And I could have asked ChatGPT to write me this Easter sermon in the style of Tim Keller using only Kanye West lyrics, and it would have been awesome. Okay? I could have done that, and you probably would have liked it better, honestly. We can do things like that in our world today. And yet somehow for all of our ingenuity, we still haven't figured out a cure for selfishness, for pride, for racism. For some reason, we can't still figure out a way to stop hurting each other, to stop inflicting wounds on our children, on the most vulnerable in our society. You see, whether or not we want to admit it, at our core, all of us are utterly broken and yet God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners while we were at our worst he died and because he died and rose again it's not just that our debt is forgiven we are now welcomed into his family as his beloved sons and daughters today you may be thinking there's no way God could love me you don't know what I've done you don't know what I've done this week. I haven't been in church in 10 years. You know how broken I am? And let me just tell you, and this may come as a surprise, you are far more broken than you think. And yet you are far more loved 
than you could ever dare imagine. You see, at the end of the day, what all of us want more than anything else in this world is to be loved. For our lives to matter. We are all waiting for someone or something to fill that gaping void in all of us. To satisfy that deep stomach level sadness that resides in us. What we want is God. But you see, we look for God in all the wrong places. We look to God for God in our career. We look to our accomplishments and our success. But listen to the two men in the empty tomb. They said, he's not here. Why are you looking for the living one among the dead? He's not here. Friends, what you are looking for cannot be found in a new job or a new home or a new relationship. Why are you looking for these things to satisfy that only which God can? He's not here. He has risen. And I believe this living God is on the loose in Los Angeles today. And this God wants a relationship with you. All you have to do is receive. Peter ran to the tomb that day, not realizing that Jesus was already running toward him. Jesus was already pursuing him. Friends, I believe Jesus at this very moment is running to you with open arms. I believe that's why you're here. And I believe this risen Jesus invite, is inviting you now to experience the promise of resurrection, the promise of new life, a life of purpose, meaning, freedom, a life of supernatural joy, peace, and hope. All you have to do is receive it. Let's pray. You know, in light of the fact that today is Easter, I'd like to extend an invitation. And I want to extend an invitation to two groups of people. First, I want to extend an invitation for those this morning who may sense a stirring in your heart and you want to receive Christ for the first time by faith. Maybe you came here curious about Christianity, you didn't know what to expect, maybe you didn't know anything about Jesus, but there was something about today where you felt the stirring in your heart. The Bible tells us that if we confess Jesus with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that God is raised, then we will be saved. And so for this first group, I'm going to invite you to just pray this prayer along with me in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, there's a lot I don't understand, but I believe that you love me and that you are the Son of God who died for my sins and rose from the grave. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me to walk in the joy, freedom, and forgiveness you freely offer to me as a gift of your grace. Thank you for loving me at my worst. I give you my heart and my life.
In your name I pray, amen. And with our heads still bowed, I also want to speak to those of us who maybe identify as a follower of Jesus, but maybe feel far from him. And perhaps you've gone through your own disillusionment journey, your own deconstruction. Maybe you felt a loss of hope in recent years. Maybe this is your first time stepping back into a church after a long time. And perhaps you sense this morning a desire to reconnect with Jesus. And I'd like to say a prayer with you as well. Would you pray this prayer along with me? Jesus, I thank you that your faithfulness to me isn't contingent upon my faithfulness to you. Lord, I confess that I've wandered from my faith and I want to recommit my life to you. I thank you that you are a good shepherd who leaves the 99 to chase after the one. I believe in the gift of new life, that what I've done or what has been done to me, that my failures and mistakes do not determine my future. Open the eyes of my heart again to the wonder of knowing you and being known by you. In your name I pray, amen.